Thank you so much, Pastor John, for that intro. And welcome to everyone who is viewing with us right now. And happy Memorial Day weekend. I am so glad that you all are joining in with us on our last online-only Sunday service. If you are excited and ready to come back to church next Sunday, will you just uh, give me a quick praise hands emoji in the comments? Will you um, give me one of those, you know, party, they're like, you know, they're blowing the party hat on there. Um, Or just give me your favorite emoji. I know Molly Chickenelli really likes the cartwheel one. Will you just put one of those in the comments? And if you are viewing with us for the first time, my name is Zachary Fraley. I'm over our youth ministries here, and we are so glad that you are joining in with us. Would you just take a moment and text first time, all one word, to 474747. We would love to connect with you. We would love to learn more about you and just your story as well. In the comments, before we go on any further, though, um, this is one of my favorite things we've been doing with our next-gen kids. I just want to ask you to uh, comment in the comments. I'm going to ask a quick question right now, but we just put them in the comments. Um, the question is, what is the one thing that you are missing most about the pre-COVID days, okay? Put it in the comments there, but what's one thing you are missing most about, you know, the pre-coronavirus, um, pre-quarantine days? I know for me, I have been missing a lot. You're going out to eat, right? I, I haven't been at SB19 in a while. Uh, gatherings of more than five people. Wow. I never thought that I'd be able to say, wow, I miss gatherings of more than five people. Um, a social distancing, right? I miss uh, being closer than six feet to other people. I miss hugging my godchildren. But the thing that I miss most is church. And I know that for a lot of you, that you're feeling the same way about that. And I was thinking about it really quickly. Just, you know, 10 years ago, if you were to ask me, hey, Zachary, um, you know, if this all were to happen, uh, you were to ask me, what would I miss? I would have not have said church. I was so shocked, you know, when I was thinking about that, that church was at the top of my list. 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, I miss my friends. I miss going to parties. I miss doing anything that I want to do. But the thing that I miss most right here and right now is church, right? Being in the building, eating cronuts with you guys, the lobby conversation. I miss the atmosphere. And my favorite thing about it, I miss our community, the community that we have here. When all this hit and everything shut down, I, I can honestly tell you, I never thought the church would be the thing that I was most excited to reopen. In case you didn't know, Blair and I, my wife and I actually have been on quarantine uh, for most of the past two months. My wife, Blair, she is an amazing, brilliant uh, nurse, and she works on the ICU floor. And when all of this hit, guess where all of the COVID patients went? the ICU floor. So one night, about two months ago, uh, she had her first COVID patient. She came home and she was like, hey, Zachary, I I had a COVID patient. And from that moment on, I called Pastor John. I called Elise. I said, hey, we are imposing a a lockdown. We are going into quarantine. No family, no visitors, no leaving. And sadly, um, no hugs. Like that was really hard for me. And let me just preface this by saying, I love my wife. She is one of the most amazing people I have ever met. I love her so much. She is my best friend. We do everything together. We read our Bibles together. We go on adventures together. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I am literally 99% extroverted. Uh, what that means is that I need, uh, I need people in my life, multiple people. I need social interaction. I need hugs. I need conversation. And I need friends. And slowly but surely, with little to no social interaction, I started to go a little crazy. I blame it on quarantine brain, but it really wasn't pretty. And I want y'all to check out this video right now. I got an email from Aaliyah. What'd she say? 
Bye. Bye, honey. I gotta go to work. <sighs> Today's commute was really long. Let's go. Dear Diary, this is day 459,000 of quarantine. I've been in quarantine for 15 years. Help me. Yes or no? How do you get to change? Uh, ah! This is what I would look like if I were really manly. Dear Diary, I have officially been in quarantine for 87 years. Wow, that was ridiculous, right? I was going crazy. I literally started losing it. Blair and I were quarantined for 45 days altogether. I did the math, right? I counted it, and I started thinking about it. 45 days, that is a long time. That's longer than it was raining while Noah was in the ark. 45 days is five days longer than Jesus was in the desert without any food. 45 days is a long time. And then at the end of that 45 days, guess what? Uh, calls started to be putting... Uh, calls started to be put into the Indiana State Department of Health. Uh, doctors and healthcare professionals were consulted, and Blair's Hospital started, re uh, started enacting some safety precautions so that uh, it could lower her transmission risk. And at the end of that 45 days, which seemed like forever for this extremely extroverted individual, I got a call. I got a call from Elise, and she said, hey, Zachary, you're going to be able to come back to church. You're going to be able to come back to work. And I started crying right then and there. Blair held me for a little bit as I was so excited to come to church. And I started thinking about it. Why am, why am I so excited about that? Why was I so happy to be able to come back to church? I mean, nothing had happened. There wasn't anything new. Like we didn't get new flooring. I didn't have anything new in my office, right? There wasn't something here that made being here so much better than being, than being anywhere else. What was the thing that made coming back to church so special for me? And at that moment, I realized something really important, that this church, it wasn't just my job anymore. It wasn't just the place that I worked, uh, my domicile, the place I live here in Wheatfield. It wasn't just my house anymore, but something really important had happened. It had turned into my home. I realized that this place had turned into my home. And have you ever had that moment where you yearned for something so badly and then you realize that that thing you'd been wanting, the thing you'd been yearning for was of greater significance to you than you ever realized? For me, it was shocking. It was a big revelation for me that I could be comfortable somewhere, that I could put roots down somewhere, that I would actually be able to call a place my home. It's a big thing for me to actually miss being somewhere. The thing is, throughout my life, I haven't ever really allowed myself to get comfortable. Throughout my life, I've always moved from house to apartment to random person's house, back to house again, you know, just to start the cycle all over again. I really never got comfortable anywhere because in most of the situations, I wasn't going to be at that place long enough to be comfortable. Being a child of two addicts, we would move somewhere and then the, my parents would stop paying the rent. They would make an enemy. Child protective services would come over or my dad would get arrested one night in the middle of the night. And guess what? Uh, cop cars would show up at our house. There would be sirens, red and blue lights blaring, and we would pack up all of our boxes. We'd put them into the minivan and we'd go on to the next place. So I never really allowed myself to feel at home 
anywhere. I never allowed myself to become attached. I mean, what would the point be in unpacking a box for the fifth time that year? What would the point be in trying to make friends at a new place when I would never see them again, most likely? What would the point be in trying at a school when in three months I would literally be going to another school with new teachers, new friends, and a new curriculum? There wasn't an incentive for me to actually make a place my home. There wasn't an incentive to have lasting relationships for me to unpack, for me to get uh, comfortable at a place, or for me to make a house into my home. Why set myself up for disappointment again? So after 45 days was up and I was able to finally come back to work, finally able to set a foot in this amazing place, I, I was so excited. I started getting ready for the first time in forever. I, I put on real pants. I traded in my pajamas for, for hard pants, as a lot of your kids call them. I shaved for the first time since I could remember. I, I brushed my teeth for the second time that day. I did my hair. And then I started driving to church. And I, start, I pulled up into church. And I just want to be honest with you. I was a little nervous. I mean, have you ever been there? You're, you're about to go back to someplace you haven't been in so long. I, I was nervous. My stomach was all in a bind. What if it was different? What if, what if everything had changed? What if my friends didn't want to be my friends anymore or talk to me? What if everything was going to be different? But in that moment, I reminded myself that this wasn't just my church. It wasn't just the place I worked, but it was my home. For the first time in a long time, somewhere had become my home. For the first time since I could remember, I walked through the doors into a place that meant something to me a place that housed memories, a place where my family gathered, a place that God had worked through to change my life, a place where I had met my wife, a place where I had grown in. And when I got to church, a sense of relief washed over me. I was home. As soon as I walked through that door, I felt at ease like a weight had been lifted off of me. I felt like I was in the place that I belonged. I felt like I was home. You've probably felt that before. You can most likely relate with me on that one, right? For a lot of us, that's how next Sunday is going to be. For those of us who are able to church, able to come to church next Sunday, it's going to feel like a homecoming. You are going to walk through the doors for the first time, and there's going to be a sense of peace that washes over you. You will feel that nostalgic feeling. It will be a little different as we work to make this space safe, spacious, and sanitized. But it's going to be great sitting in our seats, feeling the bass rumble, our cores, being able to say amen, right, and and have other people hear us other than our kids and our. Uh, spouse and have them look at us, or maybe that was just me. But there's something about coming home that's going to be amazing next Sunday. And it's something different than just watching on a TV screen. For those of us that are able to return to church next week, it is going to feel like we are walking into home again. People who have, pre, but the thing is, some people may not be able to come next week. People who have pre-existing health conditions or other factors that make staying at home safer and a wiser decision. And we realize that you want to be here. I want you here. I miss you. But we realize that for some of you, it may be safer for you to stay home and and view online because the next best thing to being here in person is viewing online on a Sunday. Please don't feel sad about it. We are going to save your seat for you. I'm going to save some hugs for you. And when you do get to come here, we are going to have a celebration unlike any before when you get to come home. But for those of us who can come back next week, This church is going to be spotless. It will be safe and contactless. We are sanitizing each of the seats in between service prior to and in between the services. And in a lot of ways, it's going to be safer here than going to the grocery store. We're wiping down every surface and innovating ways to keep you and your family safe so that you don't have to be fearful about coming home.
I'm so excited to come home next week and to see all of my family here. And I know many of you are too. It is so good to have a home in a place where you belong. But for some of us, you, you might feel like First Church is more of a house than a home. So many of you have actually even just started viewing uh, with us online since all of this COVID stuff began. And you may feel apprehensive about walking through these doors. That's okay. I feel you. Maybe you've moved around a lot like I have. Maybe you were hurt at a church before. Maybe you find it hard to trust. Maybe you'd rather roll out of bed and go to church in your pajamas watching from your TV screen. I mean, hey, I get you. It was hard for me to get back into real pants, but I want to encourage you to pray and consider making this house your home. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about this Sunday, how to make the house of God your home, how to make this house your home. So how do we do that? I have four points on this message to make this house into a home. And I know that a lot of you have been doing some renovation, right? A lot of you have had a honey-do list where your wife is like, hey, I wanna blow this wall out or I want some new exposed shelving. So I promise you that I will not mention Chipper Joanna Gaines or shiplap, subway tile, uh, color schemes, or lighting fixtures. But before we get on to that, let's pray really quickly. Will you guys pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your life and for your love and for the liberty which you bought for us on the cross. We just pray right now that you would open our ears to hear about your truth, that you would open our eyes to see your goodness, and you would open our hearts to receive your, your truth right now. Um, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and the glory, and it's in Jesus' name that all First Church said Amen. Woo! So the first way in how to make a house into your home is to gather. I started to think about it, okay? How do we make a house into our home? And I've lived in many houses in my life, and I'm sure there are a lot of people viewing who have uh, as well. But in the past 10 years, I did did the math, and I've actually lived in 10 houses altogether. That is a lot of moving around. Even after I moved out of my grandparents' place, I constantly moved from house to house. And the thing that I would always consistently do is almost never be at my house. I was always somewhere else, at my friend's house, or at work. For years, the only thing I actually did at my house was sleep. Uh, And I only actually went there to rest my head. And sometimes I would eat as well, but I never really spent that much time at any of my houses. But something changed at my house in Indiana when, when it became my home. I started having people over to gather. I would get together with my church family and listen to how their days went. We would have meals around our table and I would encourage them in their walk with Jesus and I would be challenged as well. I believe one of the ways you can find out where your home is is to look where you gather the most. Is it at work? Is it at your friend's house? Is it at church? With everything that has been going on, we haven't actually been able to gather in our church home recently, but we've had an amazing alternative, online church in our church home recently. Um, And we've had an amazing alternative, online church, which we are viewing with right now. And I am so glad that we have this medium in order to stay connected. Online church is amazing and I pray God for it. But the thing is, First Church, nothing can replace the beautiful thing that is the church coming together to worship Jesus gathering. The only me, this medium online was only meant to fill the gap until we meet again. It's not meant to be our new normal. It's not meant to replace our home because online is not meant to replace us gathering together. Coming online and viewing church, it is great, but it doesn't even come close to when we get to view together in person. It's such an important thing for us to come together in one place that even the author of Hebrews lays it out for us and reminds us of the importance of gathering together. If you have your Bibles today, will you open them to Hebrews 10? We'll be looking at verses 23 through 25 in particular. 
There the author says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. To keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Then the author says, and let us not neglect, let us not forsake our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. How do we make a house into our home? We gather, we all come together, we worship Jesus, we learn about who he is and who he has called us to be. There is something that is amazing about the church meeting together. It's something so unseen before, so rare. So many people from different socioeconomics gathering together. So many people with different jobs, different home lives, different pasts, different struggles and opinions coming together to worship the one true living God, gathering It's such an amazing thing that I cannot wait to do with you next week. I can't wait for us to all gather together and for the first time in forever be able to walk through these doors and for the first time in forever be able to see you and wave at you and and see you in person and for the first time in forever be able to worship Jesus in this room and for the first time in forever we're gonna go to church. Woo! I am so pumped. Are you excited to gather together? Are you ready and rearing to be in person to gather? I hope you are because that is one way that we make a house into a home. And I understand some of you may be apprehensive about gathering again. I was scared about coming back to work. Have you ever been there? The the thoughts are flooding your mind. What if everything has changed? What if they don't like me anymore? What if everything is different? What What if no one's gonna talk to me or it's gonna feel awkward? Social distancing. You might be feeling those feelings now. What if church isn't gonna be the same? Will I still be able to socially distance at the same service with my best friends? How do I even get a reservation in there? And will people be able to know that I'm smiling underneath my mask? Yes, we will. We are all thinking those things, but we shouldn't let it stop us from gathering. Looking at the last part of the passage, here the author says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Do you know the reason the author there stresses, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near? Guess what? There were many bad things happening to the church and around the world when the author wrote this book. Christians were being persecuted. Economies were crumbling. Diseases were being spread. And they saw all these things as a sign of Jesus's imminent return. I mean, you've probably seen it on your Facebook feed as well. People posting, oh, it's the Armageddon. It's the end of the world. Jesus is coming back. And yes, I believe Jesus is coming soon. But in the midst of this, in the midst of everything that was going on, even when Christians might be caught uh, as they met together, the author there still encouraged them not to forsake, not to neglect meeting together as some people do. We need to focus our attention on what matters. Let's fix our eyes and come together and continue to focus our eyes on Christ, continuing to make this house into a home for ourselves, but also a home where other people can come and learn about the grace of Jesus. And whatever you are feeling, uh, apprehensive or not, fearful or not, I wanna let you know that you belong here that no one is perfect and everyone is welcome. You belong here, even if you've never walked through our doors, even if you've only been viewing with us online. No one's perfect and everyone's welcome. This is a place where you can gather on Sundays and worship the one true living King. And I'm just so elated and ready for us to be able to gather together. The first way for us to make a house our home is to gather. 
The second way we can make a house into our home is to invest. When Blair and I got married, um, afterwards, she came into our house and she started nesting, right? She started moving couches around. She started um, saying, oh, no, I think this is going to be better here. She even um, took me to a place and said, oh, you know what? Our couches aren't going to do it anymore. I was like, what's wrong with them? And she's like, uh, uh, people are sitting in them and they're afraid dust bunnies are going to come out and eat them. I was like, I thought they were great before, right? Uh, now they're, they've been repurposed. They're actually in Cooper's bachelor pad. Um, so they went from one bachelor home to the other. But she started going around to TJ Maxx and buying stuff. And I wanted to share with you a few of those things. Um, here is uh, one of my favorite things in our house. They are plastic succulents. You want to know what plastic succulents are good for? Nothing other than gathering dust, right? They, they look nice. I'm sure some of you have them in your house maybe. Um, but you know what? They just gather dust in there. But you know what? I mean, it makes a house a home, right? She started investing in them. Here is a little uh, shot of one of the walls in our room. Blair got this nice tapestry and put it up, and she also put a plant in our house. I was like, honey, plants plants are made for the outside, right? We, we, we have outdoor plants, not indoor plants, right? And But you know what? She was like, you know what? It's going in our house. She started buying some other stuff. Um, I love this one. Right as soon as you open the door, it is right there, and it says, it is so good to be home. And it just reminds me, yes, it is so good to be home. I just hear it in my grandmother's accent, right? And this one is right above the toilet in our guest bathroom. And it says, oh, bless. Woo, it just, it helps, it helps you when you're in the restroom. And this one says, love lives here. You gotta live, laugh, love, love, laugh, live, because love lives here. Aren't these so great? I love them. You know, she, she spent a lot of time buying these from TJ Maxx just so that people can read them and go, oh, love does live here, doesn't it? Um, here is our dining room table with some nice um, country chic stuff that she bought against my will. Um, and then here, she started putting up pictures all around our house, us with a sunflower here. And then look, here is a dying plant. You want to know why it's dying? Because plants are made for outdoors, not inside the house. Okay, just, just gonna put that one in there. Sorry, honey. And, um, and then also when she moved in, she was like, honey, your bed, it, it's just, it's not gonna work. So we had to go on a day, on my off day, and we had to go and buy a whole new bed frame, okay? Now, is this bed frame more attractive than my other one? Is it more solid and, you know, doesn't feel like it's gonna fall apart when you lay down at night? Yeah, but you know what? I thought my other one was great too. And she bought these nice duvet coverings and side tables and this little bench here that you can sit on as you put your shoes on. Um, and then she bought some patio furniture. And the thing is, as she was doing all this, I realized, you know, she was investing into our house. I didn't really see the reasoning behind it. I didn't really see what, was all, what it was all about. But suddenly, you know, as we got new couches and moved the other ones out, as we got, you know, this new bed frame and everything and a bedroom set, as we got patio furniture, and as Blair started investing into our house, it started to become a home. And I believe that's a huge part of the transition. As you, uh, going from house to home mentality, there has to be investment in it. We, t we had to take this owner mentality, realizing that we needed to invest into this house in order to make it our home. In order for us to make the house of God our home, we have to invest in it as well. And so many people say, well, you know, Zachary, home is where the heart is. But Jesus says in Matthew 6, he shows us how to make sure our heart is in the right place. In Matthew 6, it says, for wherever, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Home is where the heart is, right? But in order for our heart to be somewhere, our treasure has to be there as well. Our valuables, our treasured items, our love for each other, our memories. 
Blair and I started to invest into our house, you know, in the furniture since and in the cute stuff on the walls. But we also started to invest not only in funds, but also in memories, because that is truly what made our house a home. Uh, the times when we spent together in our home, that's what truly mattered to us. The times when people would sit on those couches and not be fearful about a dust bunny coming out to bite them. The facts when we would gather around our nice country chic dining room table uh, and, and have those memories together. That's what truly mattered to us. Those items are what treasure was to us. And we started stockpiling a lot of treasure in our home because in order to make a house your home, you have to invest into it. In the same way, in order to make the house of God your home, you have to invest into it as well. The moment the church went from being my house to my home was when I, I started serving in the church. I started volunteering in the kids' ministry. I started saying, hey, where, what can I do? Where can I do it? I started volunteering in the youth ministry, giving to the church. I started joining in life groups. When I began inviting others and telling them about what God was doing through my church, I started to invest my time into the church. And it quickly became my home as I began building relationships, as I began building or making friends for life, as I began serving Jesus, the house of God quickly turned into my home as I invested into the church. And I started putting treasure back into this church, uh, into this church. My heart quickly took place here and this house of God became my home in order to make the house of God your home. You have to take some sense of ownership of it. You have to choose to stay when things might not be perfect. You have to choose to say, I'm going to fix some things that might be broken. You have to invest into the church. And when you invest, it takes that previous house and turns it into our home. There's so many ways for you to be able to invest. Even as we look to next week and we are getting ready, there are ways for you to invest into this church. Maybe you could be on our parking lot team or you could greet or you could serve in the kids ministry or in the media ministry. There are so many ways for you to choose to invest into this church, to put your treasure, you know, here and then also to make this house into your home. In order to make a house into our home, first off, we gather here. We, we join together. We invest into that house, and it turns into our home. And the third one is one of my favorites. I don't know um, if you ever had something like this in your house, but my favorite thing at my grandparents' house was this one corner in the laundry room, right, where we would go um, probably once a year. My grandma would be like, wow, I think you grew. And we would go into this corner. She'd say, stand tall. I'd stand tall. I'd, I'd stand on my tippy toes, and she'd say, get back down. Okay, and then she would take a marker and mark it. It's in a home that you live. It's in a house that you live, but it's in a home that you grow. In order to make a house into our home, we have to grow. Since Blair and I got married and we made our house into our home, we've grown so much in there. We have grown in our love for each other. We've grown in our love for others. We've taken steps closer to God. But the, but the growth there would not be possible without our church home, without my church family helping me to be a better representation of Jesus, without, the church, without my church family showing me Christ's love. Why do we grow so much in our home? Because it's a safe place. It's a place where we can bring our brokenness, where we can bring our failures and our sins and know that we aren't gonna be looked down on, but instead we're gonna be encouraged and lifted up. It's a place where we can grow. Why do people grow so much in a, in a church that they make their home? Because they know that nobody is perfect and they are always welcome. You can come here as messy as you have ever been. You can come here as jacked up as ever and learn about the grace of God. You can learn about the forgiveness that God has for you and the love with which he loves you. It's in a house that you live, but it's in a home that you grow. 
And some of you may be looking at the TV and you may be looking at your TV screen or um, your phone right now and you may be saying, but Zachary, I haven't grown. You haven't seen me blowing up at my kids about their e-learning. You don't see me forgetting to put food on the table because I'm simultaneously being a teacher, a mom, and making sure the house doesn't blow up at the same time. You don't see the things that I messed up in the past few days or, or this week. But I, don't, I want to encourage you not just to look at today or yesterday because yes, you have grown. If you've been attached to the church of God, it is nearly impossible for you not to grow. It is just that so many of us are looking at the past few days. I want you to take a step back. Take, take a step back and look at the past three months. Look at the past six months, the past year. Have you grown in that time? The answer most likely is yes. You have grown in your ability. You might have grown in your ability to love others. You might have grown in your ability uh, to forgive others. Maybe you grew in your ability to read the Bible or your capacity for prayer. But the thing is, for most of us, we have grown. And if you haven't grown, then I want to ask you one question. Is the church of God your house or is it your home? Is this church your house or your home? Because you live in a house, but you grow in a home. Looking back at Hebrews 10, the author there says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So let us think of ways that we can motivate, that we can uh, spur on others to do acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of Jesus' returning is drawing near. Why do we grow and flourish when we make the house of God our home? Because there are others around us. We realize that we aren't alone in this house, but that we are better together in this home. That's why we grow, because we give, because we receive. And if you haven't made this house your home, I want to ask you, what are you waiting for? For so many days, 45 days, of 45 of them, I spent them alone in quarantine. And the first days were the hardest, right? It was, it was really difficult. But after that, people started bringing us food. They started baking little snacks for us and dropping them off at our door. They started doing parades and coming by and, you know, saying hi and waving from a distance, writing letters and encouraging our family, motivating us to acts of love and good works. That's what a home is, a place where we can be challenged and uplifted and, and where we can grow. I have one more point on how to make a house into a home. In order to make a house into your home, first, you need to gather together, together. Um, you need to invest into that house to make it a home, and in it, you grow. But the most important thing that you need in a house is God. In Matthew verse, uh, chapter 18, it says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Why is it so important for us to gather as one? Because when we do, God's presence is with us. The Holy Spirit, God's presence here on earth is in the room. And you can worship from home and you can have your life groups where you are, but there's something different about worshiping Jesus with your church family, even at 25% capacity for the time being, even with masks strongly, strongly recommended, we can still come together. We can still worship our King because he is the one who makes everything possible. In order for us to make this house into our home, we need God helping us to gather, invest, and grow. And I believe that he is here. He is here with us right now. And I believe he is with you right now where you are viewing currently. I believe God is with us even throughout our different viewing places. And I believe that as you walk through these doors next week, God willing, you will experience his presence. You will experience his love, his joy, and his peace. When I walked through the doors at the end of my 45-day quarantine, 
People gathered, they cheered, they screamed, they clapped, they danced a little bit. I was dancing too, I you know, cried a little bit. And at that point, I knew that I was home where God has called me to be. I knew I was in a place where I could gather, invest, and grow closer to God. There are people here who are watching right now who I know can't join us next week as we gather due to age or pre-existing health conditions who are sacrificing not being here thing is, we want you we, uh, who want to be at their church home. They want to be here right now. They want to be here and hearing the music. They want to lift up their hands and worship Jesus, but it might be safer for them to stay home. It might be wise for them to continue viewing online for the time being. And guess what? They are sacrificing. But for those of us that can be here, Let's be here with even more excitement, recognizing that we are privileged to be in this place, recognizing that we get to be here while remembering the ones who can't be with us. Let's come together and celebrate our God and let's choose to make this house into our home, this house into your home. Why is it so important for us to make a house into our home? Well, think about it. When you purchase a home, it's an investment, but you're not just investing for you or your spouse. At that moment, you are investing, you're making investment into future family lines, families down the line. You are investing into your children and to their children. It goes down the line. Making a house into a home, it doesn't just affect you. It affects generation after generation. As you gather in church and your home, you, you, as you gather in your church and in your home, you give your children memories uh, that shape who they are and who they will become. As you invest your into your church home and your regular home, you invest into a legacy that will be passed down to your children. And as you grow closer to Jesus, they grow as well. They see your growing relationship and they desire one as well. And as you put God first in your life, you model what it truly looks like to serve Jesus and to grow in a vital growing relationship with him. What it truly looks like to live on purpose. I'll be honest with you. For many years, the Fraley name was one that uh, didn't really have that great of a legacy. I wasn't the proudest of it, but uh, I, I actually preferred to be called by my grandparents' last name. I was ashamed of it for most of my life. But in the same way that Jesus redeemed my life, he has redeemed my last name as well. He has redeemed my house so that one day I can pass down a legacy to my children. I will pass on a home to them. One day when I leave this earth and I go to my eternal home, I will give what I have over to my children. And one day when you leave your home, when, when you leave this earth, if you have chosen to follow Jesus, to make him your leader and forgiver, you'll be passing on a legacy to your children and to their children as well. You will be leaving behind something for your children to inherit. Are you currently investing into your church home? Are you currently investing into your home to leave to your children? Are you gathering? Are you giving? Are you growing? Because one day your children will inherit your home, but they will also inherit your church. Are you leaving behind a legacy that they can be proud of? And even if your children one day don't go to this church, are you showing them a faith that is built on Christ? Are you showing them how to make the church their home? Are you showing them the importance of being connected to a vital a house of God? Are you building a lasting legacy for them? This week, as you gather together with your family, as you gather together with your home, I, I want you to ask a few questions of your family. Or ask them of yourself. I just have four questions for you guys. The first one is, are you ready and excited to gather? Why or why not? How, the second one is, how can you continue or begin to invest into your physical and your church home? 
number three is in what ways have you grown spiritually in your church home? And then the last one is, what is the legacy you are leaving for the next generation to inherit? I would love for you just to take a few moments, uh, spend it around the dining room table, you know, asking your family those questions, intentionally engaging with them and getting ready to come back to church next Sunday. I'm so excited to see you guys. I'm so excited to join together and worship Jesus together again for the first time in 11 weeks. It is going to be amazing and I can't wait for it. With that said, guys, we all pray with me really quickly. Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your life and for your love. And we thank you that you not only gave us a house, but that you have given us a home that we can come to. Uh, We just pray, Jesus, that you prepare everything, that you prepare our hearts so that we can gather together again. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, come on, everyone said, amen, right? Put it in the comments. Give me some amens. Woo, with that said, guys, will you put your hands in? Come on, come on, put your hands in all around the living rooms and the dining room tables. Uh, Everyone that is viewing, put your hands in. We're going to go team on three. One, two, three, team. Team.